1: Welcome to episode 298 of the Department of Defense. I'm your host, Casey Germain. As always, is Carlos. Yeah, I am here. I am here where we... I usually am here. Yeah. Cool. And Matt. Hey, how are you? And Gordon. How's
0: it going? Before we get too deep here, I want to <laughs> give a shout out to our patrons. Specifically, our Black Belt patron, Andy Thompson. Did you know that if Andy wants to travel somewhere, all he has to do is think, and then he's there? He, yeah, he has mastered teleportation.
1: I mean, actually, it's called imagination, but we, we can, like, imagine that teleportation. No, right? it's fucking teleportation. No, it's, yes. it's, imagi- he's got a good imagination. No, it's, I mean- it's teleportation. You do
0: not try to diminish what, what amazing black belt powers Andy has. Andy, you got a great sense great imagination. No, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. He has teleportation powers and you can't go back on this bit. All right. All right. <laughs> Uh, if you'd like to be as awesome as Andy, head over to patreon.com slash Studios and become a patron today. And if you're going to do any Amazon shopping, head over to uh, blindingstudios.com, click on the Amazon link for the homepage. Your Amazon shopping is normal, uh, and we get a bit of a kickback from Amazon. It really helps us out. Carlos, what have you been up to this spooky week? That's right. It's our Halloween episode, guys, so everything <laughs> is
1: spooky. It's been a couple years since we've done our Halloween episode. Be actually a halloween episode i know uh yeah uh you know i haven't been up to a whole lot I've uh, been uh playing a video game called code vein which is kind of like a, one of those souls like games where you like collect resources like a uh, level up and if you die you can you gotta try to get your resources back and if you die again they're gone forever well that doesn't and sound fun they're a lot of fun and i kind of enjoy them like uh, i don't know like kind of like the stress of these games like kind of uh Keeps my, takes my mind off the stress of real life and uh, also this one's a little easier than the actual Dark Souls and Bloodborne games, so it's got <coughs> that going for it. So I've been playing that. It's been a lot of fun. I, it's actually been better than I thought it was going to be, so that's been great. Oh, that's good. Uh, besides that, I have not done a whole lot. Just, yeah, just work. Alright. So. And Matt, what have you been up to this spooky week?
0: Uh... <laughs> Decorated, Emma's. So. Or did you make it
2: all spooky? spooky. Yes, yes. So was uh, awesome. was Bar Halloween
0: this weekend, or is it next weekend?
2: I didn't go downtown yesterday. They said it was pretty quiet, so I don't know. It might be next weekend. So okay. Or it might be on Halloween. I don't know.
0: But I guess it's a Thursday.
2: Yeah, I know. But historically, it's never really celebrated getting, uh, on well, November first or second. So yeah, I don't know. It might be busy. Do you have like a something you're gonna dress up as, or did you dress up as this weekend? Uh, I went to a, uh, a cowboy wizard party last night and dressed up as a cowboy wizard. <laughs>
0: Wait, was every like that's that's that was, one thing. That was the theme. Yeah. Okay. It was Cowboy Wizard?
2: Yeah. Okay. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Actually, it was. It was pretty cool. Uh, Van had vials of potions, but it was just Maker's Mark. So you, like, need, you like, need some pot. Was there a healings. sheriff
1: that had like a sheriff badge and then just a bunch of just like stickers of stars around it?
2: No, Van had a staff though, and he uh, uh, wrapped a sheriff's badge at the top of the wizard's staff, and then uh, what? Uh, Alex had a uh, revolver, like cut off, and then put a. Uh, a wand in there
1: was it like a wand or was it just like a stick it was like a
2: it was like a stick that went like that i think it was plastic or something oh Oh, it
1: was a plastic all right it was like you didn't like just take a stick from like a park and something and just it
2: did look like it but yeah i think it was a plastic wand so yeah that was that's what i did last night for a while got home early because i had to open today yeah just work work all right Gordon,
3: what have you been up to this spooky, spooky. week? <laughs> uh, tried to not die doing a seven and a half mile rock march with Steve, Ooh, co-host from No Story Left Behind. That, that sounds rough. I mean, yeah. did did you die? Uh, it felt like it. There. He is a ghost. <laughs> it, is a, it is
0: a spooky episode. I don't know. He I thought he sounded very light coming down the stairs.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. It's for a veteran charity organization. I, to, I believe he talked about that on the on the um, last uh, No Story Left Behind. It. Yep. Yeah, it was cool. It was supposed to do ten miles, but my knee and feet were just fucking done. So after. he did die. Yeah.
1: After he and
3: he In did three sense.
0: miles
1: as a ghost. From a certain point of view, he died. But, I mean, it's not, not as exciting as it is. From, the, from the point of view where he stopped living? From the Obi-Wan. From the Obi-Wan <laughs> point of view.
0: He was struck down, and he has become more powerful than we can possibly
1: imagine. I mean, that, we all know that was not true. Trad- That's <laughs> not what happened in that movie. But he got struck down. He did not really get a whole lot more powerful. He just kind of hung around. There. Why? He got,
0: the, he got the power of Andy Thompson. He can think and be anywhere. Once Boom. again,
1: I don't think being a ghost is the same as the power of imagination. It's
0: not the power of imagination. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Anything else? Uh. Oh, I uh, had a wedding last night. Went over, checked out Happy Gnome. That's where they had their. Reception. Oh, nice. First time Happy Gnome is good. That's cool. Like they, that. We were in their. Um, Upstairs area. Oh, I've never been up there. Fireplace area. Oh. Really cool location. It was just hot as fucking balls up there. I think I sweat out two pounds of water. Ghosts don't sweat. Well, this (laughs) one
1: does. (laughs) We settled that he didn't die.
0: Ogre ghosts
3: are very complicated. We have layers. (laughs) Uh.
0: Like what's something else with like an orange?
3: So that was cool. And they had some awesome beers on tap. Oh, nice. There's a Belgian wheat with some spices in there. And I can't remember the name of it. It was really tasty. Awesome, awesome, awesome. That's mm-hmm. about it. That's about it. All
0: right. Uh, let's see tasty. what did I do this week. Were
2: things spooky, spooky in New Orleans? Spooky.
0: Um, Yes, because I went to a g- 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 ghost tour. Hey,
2: that's pretty cool. Uh,
0: yeah, so I spent the weekend in... New Orleans or New Orleans or however you want to say it. Were um,
2: things all
0: decorated like Halloween. Each yes, day? uh, yeah. It was it was uh, Saturday was their Halloween uh, uh, and nice. it was also Voodoo Fest this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wanted to go to that. Yeah, it like so we uh, on my bicycle tour we we went by it and I was like oh look there it is <laughs> and then <laughs> but uh yeah so I went to New Orleans for the first time. Uh, let's see. Went on a went on a skeptics ghost tour Friday night in the rain. That was fun. Skeptics.
1: So, like, is there a point in the night, like, when you're on that ghost tour where you're, like, when somebody was, like, all right, gang, let's split up. And you split no. up and, like, uh, try to catch the ghost <laughs> and move the mask and realize it was actually old man Weathers the whole time. No, trying that to scare people his property. That would have been awesome, though.
0: Uh, no, but I, I highly recommend um, it. Uh, the, the tour company was Two Girls Walking. And it was a fantastic tour, reasonably priced, like it was it was very good and like the group size was manageable. Like I was I was seeing some and there was like a bunch of them. Like you know, it was like fifty people and we had like twelve. Nice. So it was it was just a good size. Um so yeah, I highly recommend that. We we got to go see like, you know, all the, all the haunted spots in the in the quarter. Uh, but from like a um, a skeptics perspective, so they did they did the they did some research and um, they basically so they would tell us the ghost story and then tell us okay so here are the actual facts that are true that we can verify in this story <laughs> and stuff like that so that that was so really did cool. Did he actually sound haunted? Um, I mean, like the the Delphine. House, you know, the one from American Horror Story ah. with the slaves. That one, um, like, if anything is haunted, it's that one just because of all the horrible shit that happened there. Mm-hmm. But let's be honest. <laughs>
2: oh,
1: start real. Was that the one uh, where, like, there was a, star, a fire that was started, like, one of the slaves was, like,
0: yep.
2: chained of, to the oven? Chained to the oven, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. that's a, That was a good season of American Horror Story. The witch one, Coven. Yeah. yeah that
3: was good. Yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't watch that. I, I didn't season, watch it, but, but I like,
1: I've, I've heard that story. I've, I've heard about, like, it on... That like location on like podcast. So
0: Yep. Um but yeah, so that, that was really cool. Uh beautiful city. Um very the OG says. Sp- yeah, I and went hurricane. I went and had two of those. Uh I had the original hurricane. Um I had a lot of seafood. I had a lot of po boys. Um and then I have a lot of fuzzy memories.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Did you get a point where you were like, where you had, are just so full of po' boys, just like, oh boy, I can't have another one of those. Did that happen one time? <sighs> At least one time. Yes, one time, Carlos.
0: I'll give that one to you. There was there's one Did time. You do any
2: like the jambalayas or gumbo?
0: Yep, or yeah. Anything? I had I had some gumbo. Um and like so I, I get I get like the little cup of gumbo. Oh nice, it comes
2: with the meal. Yeah yeah. yeah.
3: You gotta get the gumbo. But no. I was also eating. That's po the only Boys. reason I
2: don't want gumbo here is because you have to commit to a whole. Bowl yeah, of no. Gumbo. Like
0: I, I want. I was trying to taste as much as much as I could, mm-hmm. and like I wanted to eat as it's much as like, I could. Would you
2: like a cup of New England clam chowder with your meal? It's like yes, yes,
0: please. Um, I also went and got the uh, the beignets from uh, Cafe Dumont, and that was fantastic. Uh, you know, with just a mountain of fucking. Um, powdered sugar on them there's three of them and i swear there was like three cups of powdered sugar on these stupid things Like and there's it, four sticks of it, butter in the bag like, i i felt like pablo escobar when i was done <laughs> just like <laughs> there's like a half a cup left over on the plate and i'm like and when i got there like i was looking around at the, all the tables and i'm like man people are really messy like there's just there's just like smeared sugar everywhere and then i finished i'm like Oh yeah, okay, I get it now. <laughs> well, anytime you breathe too, it just boop, yep. Boop. Um, yeah, and they put uh, chicory in their coffee, which was interesting. Yeah, it, was, it was good. It was, it was a great breakfast uh, before I went on my bicycle tour of uh, of the city, and I that was awesome too. It was free wheeling free bike tours. Um, our guide uh, like he took us to like uh, he's he's so from New Orleans. His family has a tomb. There, so he was like we when we went to a uh, we went to one of the cemeteries and he's like oh yeah I know this is my family's tomb like you can see you know my, my great grandfather and so on and huh. and I didn't really like I thought like the bodies just kind of stayed in there but apparently um, like with the heat and stuff it it basic it's basically like a really slow uh, cremation um, and like so like after a year and a day is what he said a year and a day because uh, some something about Catholicism. Um, like, they, they open it up and, like, uh they push the bones and the ashes to the back and it falls down into, like, a little cave under
1: the tomb. I think that's a responsibility I could, oh. I could like, handle. Like, uh, I, I think I could keep a crypt. Yeah, you I want could. to be a crypt keeper? Yeah, I, I think I could handle that. Like, just, like, sit around for a year and then come back and check whether, like, uh, that my job's done or not. Yeah, I think I could do that. <laughs>
0: Jesus. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no. I Saw some uh, really, really interesting parts of New Orleans that I definitely would have wouldn't have seen otherwise. Uh, we ended up riding through some of the rougher parts of town, which apparently is just a block away from the not rougher parts. It's usually, of town. how it is. Yep. Like oh, it's it's such an abrupt change, and you can see it. Um, like the anytime you're going downhill, you're going towards a worse part of town, and anytime you're going uphill, you're going towards a better part of town. Right. Water. Yep. Water. Uh, that's pretty much all the new Orleans. Oh, and there was a tropical storm uh, with 60 mile an hour winds on, uh, on Friday
2: night that, that I slept through. <laughs> <laughs> How long ago was <coughs> Katrina now? 2002. <coughs> wow, that's a long time ago. Right? It's still like the Sounds one thing you remember either. with hurricanes all yeah. the time. Huh. Katrina was... Or four two 2005. Five.
0: 2005. Hmm. Yep, so Bush's second term. Um yeah, so I did that. Let's see, anything else this week? Uh I feel like there was other things I did this week, but maybe not. I was just kind of doing the push towards uh Oh, well, I did trivia and I met Gordon's doppelganger. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> what was he good at actually, so like, you're, Was you're, he good at trivia? No, he didn't play. Oh, so we were we were hanging out at Pitchfork uh, after trivia, and there was three of us standing there chatting, and like um, a guy walks in, and like we all just glance, like out of, the corner of the eye. I were like, "Oh, Gordon's here." So we go turn, and we're like, "Hey, Gord." Never mind. <laughs> 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 but like, it looked like uh, Gordon's like older brother or something. Like, just you like- should have asked
1: him what his view on Tom Bombadil was. God damn it! But you said we weren't going to bring that up. Yeah, but like we weren't going to do the whole go into it a whole lot. But like, could have like figured out like where he stands on the issue. So like, compare him to like, is he like some evil twin from another universe of Gordon or what? I mean, maybe. Yeah, you never know. Or maybe he's the maybe. good twin, and or you know, a better twin. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. So um
0: I do I do <laughs> I, I do I do have one sad thing to report and I know you guys are all gonna be bummed about this too. I have not found a better sandwich. Wow, than the Portland one. Huh? Than the Portland one. That sandwich was so and it might have just been like the combination of because that was also the best hurricane I've ever had there too. Yeah, we just went to that like, yeah, uh, and New like, Orleans restaurant or Yeah, yeah. We went to that Creole restaurant. Creole, and, that's the word yep, I was thinking. And it was it was phenomenal. I mean, don't get me wrong. I had better food in New Orleans than that. But that sandwich, it was it was the right time in my life for that sandwich, and it'll just it, it, <laughs>
2: <laughs> the whole reason Casey went to New Orleans was to
0: find, to find a better sandwich.
1: sandwich. Was, was it like another po' boy you were looking for? Yeah, it was a it was a soft shell crab po' boy. So do you think there's like maybe one time this week and you're like, oh boy, I could, could just cannot find a better po' boy. Like maybe one time, did you do it one time maybe?
0: <laughs> yes, Carlos. Just one time. I fucking hate you.
2: <laughs> oh boy.
0: Oh, I can't believe we've done this for almost 300 stupid episodes. <laughs> Was this is 290, uh, 298. If you were paying attention at the top of the show,
3: I actually say the number. Yeah, somebody had to go and research their uh, <laughs> scary story. <laughs> Since Secretary dropped the ball on that one this week. I got a text. No, I meant like my secretary, oh. my non...
0: All right, secretary. so uh, going around in just a second here is another uh, sour from Indeed, another of their Wooden Souls series. Oh, dear. Um, this is Pinot Heartbreak Sour Red Ale with Pinot Noir Grapes. Ooh, um, I, I will do see. like Pinot Noir. I will see if I can find sweet, anything
3: but... on this, but... I like Guy Noir from...
0: And for the, the second Hallmarker. time, we're breaking tradition, and we're going to have Matt go first because I <laughs> handed it the wrong direction. Oh... It is from, yeah, Indeed Brewing in the Cities.
2: It's not that sour compared to that other one. All Definitely right. has a wine base. You see if I can find anything on it. Classic Wood like Barrel it. Age,
0: or... Wood Barrel Age Sour Red Ale is re-fermented on age. Pinot Noir grapes to bring yeah, you this elegant and balanced beer, showcasing a complexity of grape flavors. Notes of raspberry, cherry, Ooh, and good. blackberry assemble on the palate. The silky ruby red beauty has been aging for three years, slowly developing a graceful depth that mirrors uh, the classic boldness of Pinot Noir. All right. Matt.
2: It's pretty on, pretty on par. Yeah. It's not that sour. I like it. And I like Pinot Noir a lot. Ooh, uh, yeah. It's, it's kind of dry. Yeah, it's kind of nice. Noir would be one of the sweeter ones, so I'm surprised it's not as sweet as I thought it would be. But yeah, it's good. Gordon, I like it. It's
3: way more tart on the nose than than when you actually drink it. Uh, it's a good lawnmower and beer beer. A hot summer day, ice and yeah, yeah, eight and
0: eight and a half percent. Yeah, this one's also eight and a half. This. <laughs> this doesn't taste eight and a half. The other one didn't though either. God,
2: I wonder how much those kegs cost. Oh, so like much. The, last one too.
1: Uh, yeah, I can go next. Uh, so, I, I didn't, uh, everybody was looking at me, but like I didn't hear my name called.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't. Carlos, would you please go and tell us what you
2: think <laughs> about this beer? Well, I. Wait, would, but
1: hang on, hang on. I want you to make it spooky. I would love to. Now, I would say that this beer might actually be alive and not just, you know, a thing we're drinking. Dun, dun, dun! Because that's what the can tells me. <laughs> but uh yeah this beer would uh, is like i, I agree with, let's make it spookier again i agree with gordon yeah it's definitely got a lot It's a lot more sour in this with the scent uh than like when you're tasting it it's just got like the right level of uh being sour i feel like it's yeah it's
3: very refreshing i like it a lot so,
0: so like blood it's red like blood i mean it's, um, more, it's not
3: it's not it's blood. more pink i was gonna say how much did you drink before taking a blood sample all of New Orleans. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I also oh. did a Jello shot yesterday that I'm just remembering now.
3: <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, th- Jello but, shots are fun. Yeah. No. So apologize.
0: I I went I went to this Irish pub and I met these two girls from Kansas City, and then they're like, we just did these Jello shots and they were delicious. You need to come have one. And I was like, okay. And then I went and had a Jello <laughs> shot and they bought me a Jello shot. I can see you just <laughs> okay. <laughs> To twist your arm real hard, (laughs) yep. Uh, and then we went and had Sazeracs, and then they vanished into the night.
1: How much
2: were Sazeracs there?
1: The
0: whole time, I don't know,
2: okay.
1: But it turns out that Casey was alone the whole time, and they they were were ghosts 18.
2: Okay, and that was you said that was the original Sazerac, yep. Mm -hmm. Coming in the Sazerac bar, two. I think squirrel's
3: good. also really good down at the Cesarac bar. Uh,
0: but um yeah, so did that. Uh anyway, uh yeah, so um sour, like like, but not like tart and like big like grape flavor. It's very like wine flavored, but not like wine-like. It's not it's not tannic, it's not like super astringent and drying.
2: Alright, Matt? Give me a number. I'm gonna go for eight. I like this one. Ooh, an eight. Gordon.
0: Do eight, eight, five. Carlos, will you please give us your very
1: spooky number? One, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Two, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Three, ah, ah, ah. Eight, I'm going to give it an eight. <laughs> oh, my <thank> God.
0: <laughs> that was going to take forever. Uh, I'm going to give it an eight, five. Uh, uh, uh. Right. Uh yeah, this is a really well made sour. Um yeah, it's fantastic. It's very good. Um it's slowly changing my opinion about indeed. But I'm glad that there's not more so I can continue to hold my grudge.
2: <laughs> I don't know yeah, what you're That ex- one uh, that one last week was wait or what was it last week or something? Yeah, it was last yeah. week. Casey that I don't know really what you're
1: expecting you're asking me to do it spooky. Like it's no <laughs> that's that's what you're gonna that's the <laughs> level of quality you're gonna get.
2: Well, I
0: thought you were better than that. I thought you were I'm better not. than cheap <laughs> joke.
1: I'm not better than that.
0: <sighs> And now, the Department of Defense presents News with Casey. That's me. A part-time umpire filed a lawsuit Friday alleging that a South Carolina mayor had him fired over an argument they had in August about a call at a recreational kickball match. Graylin Morin Jr. alleged that he was removed from his position as an umpire after he made a call against the son of Monk's Monk's Corner Mayor, uh, Michael Locklier. During a game he officiated on August 6th, the lawsuit said Lockyer and his son were playing for a recreational kickball team called Recreational Hazard (laughs) and were playing offense in the bottom of the eighth inning when the call happened. According to the lawsuit, Lockyer's son was running uh, to home plate uh, when the opposing team, the Toe Jammers, tagged him in the back of the leg with the ball. The mayor shouted as he approached Graylin, He was past the plate. Are you stupid? The lawsuit said, Graylin did not respond to the disparaging question from the mayor and just stared at him, believing him to just be another kickball player passionate about an umpire call of out. The mayor allegedly kept yelling at the umpire until Moron Jr. told him that he was representing the town and should calm down. I own this town, Lockie allegedly responded. You won't have to worry about representing this town anymore because you won't be back out here. He then went to the dugout where he continued to throw a tantrum until the game ended. Two days later, Moran Jr. said he received a Text from his boss that someone did not want him officiating any longer and that he was fired. Moran Jr. claims in his lawsuit that the mayor used his influence to ensure he wouldn't be able to officiate in uh, Monach's Corner again, a job where he made about $1,200 per season. The umpire is suing Lockyer for slander, conspiracy, um, intentional infliction of emotional distress, and torturous interference with a contract. Uh, the mayor told the Post and Courier in August the decision to fire Moran Jr. was not his call and that he felt the situation was blown out of proportion. I'm very competitive and I would have argued that call even if it wasn't my son, luckily I said, because we were down 4-3 in the bottom inning. So when I thought he was safe he looked, and uh, he looked safe and he was past the bag when he got hit by the ball, I said he was past the bag three times and then walk o- walked away. Well, I don't believe that. I don't either. Like, first of all, Why would you remember that you said it
1: three times? And the guy was literally told somebody doesn't want you on the team anymore. You're, I mean, uh, umping, umping, yeah. I mean, I mean, don't get me
0: wrong. You have a lot of power as a small town mayor, and you need to wield that power.
2: Decisively and That's in like petty out of ways. A movie, that that line where I own this town. That's like out of a movie. Nobody says that. Anymore.
1: Or, or maybe they want to uh, get like uh, some uh, lady umps in there.
0: I'm sorry. If I was mayor, I would definitely say I own this town. <laughs> because I would be a shitty mayor <laughs> and probably end up in prison. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh, well, this mayor sounds like a lot like the mayor across Cross River at Lakeville, if anybody's read those stories. No, I have no, not. You should. It's a good time. It's like Maury's show in real life. Interesting.
2: Interesting. Interesting.
3: <laughs> that sounds spooky.
0: <laughs> the UK has halted production of the commemorative Brexit coins, which had been marked with the date 31 October 2019, the day the UK is due to leave the European Union um, amid uncertainty over the departure. The Treasury confirmed to CNN that UK's Royal Mint has stopped making the commemorative coins but would not provide any further information uh, regarding how many coins have been made or how much it has cost. Earlier this month, designs were approved for a series of 50 uh, pence uh, pieces to be made in gold, silver, and cupro-nickel to mark the UK's exit from the EU. Weighing 8 grams with a standard diameter of 27.3 millimeters, the coins were designed to bear the inscription, Peace, prosperity, and friendship with all nations alongside the date of October 31, 2019. British newspaper The Telegraph reported that 3 million coins during the date would be minted by the end of October and a further 7 million would be created in the first year. Uh, Business Minister Kwasi Kwarteng on Saturday denied uh, having hundreds of thousands of coins minted uh, was foolish. I don't think it looks foolish. I think that it was a very sincere aim of the British government to leave on the 31st of October. Um adding that he thought it was sad if the UK didn't leave by that date. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson has conceded publicly that he may not deliver on his do-or-die promise that the UK will exit the EU on October 31st. Johnson told lawmakers on Thursday that if they backed a general election on December 12th, they'd be allowed more time to scrutinize his Brexit deal. I don't think Brexit's ever going to happen. Probably not. I, I I think I think that's just not a thing that's gonna actually occur.
1: It's gonna be not a thing that's actually gonna occur for another five years. Why five years? or at least five. It'll probably keep going for longer than five years of them trying to do Brexit, but just not happening. That's quite a few more years of a more commemorative coins that are uh, could be printed in the like wrong date, and then they have to move forward the next year. That's true. Oh, but, I mean, you could
0: just print New Quebec, uh, like, every time they move the Brexit date? Because this is, like, the 17th time they've moved this date. Like, weren't they supposed to leave in, like, February or something? Yeah, something like that.
3: I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, well. Um, Philip Morton was found uh, hiding in a hedge near Perth Prison uh, and claimed he was searching for his pet chihuahua as it had been kidnapped by a Romanian circus troupe. Sheriff Pino D. Amido described Morton's shaky dog story as fanciful and said, It was one of the most remarkable lines of defense I've ever heard. Um, Morton, uh, then of Kiramur, now living in Portsmouth, was uh, found guilty at a trial of trying to fly a drone into the jail when Perth uh, Perth Sheriff Court uh, heard how Morton was caught red-handed after driving the getaway car into a cul-de-sac and being found hiding in the bushes. The 33-year-old was heard rustling in the undergrowth after prison officers chased the 75 70-mile-per-hour 70 drone away from the outer wall of Perth Prison. Morton was spotted putting the drone into the boot of his Audi, uh, but he drove up a dead end and officers blocked his escape. He clambered over a six-foot fence to try to escape and used his remote blocking key to deadlock the car with the active drone in the boot. Morton claimed he was near the prison in the dead of night because he believed Romanian circus performers had stolen one of his pet chihuahuas. Ooh. He said... We were told the circus left the dogs outside at night. As daft as it might sound, I brought the dog's father, Archie, to see if he could find it. Morton then claimed he was found in the bushes because he had downed a liter of vodka and had collapsed in the middle of the dog hunt. He said he had been using the drone to search the
1: riverbank for the dog. So at first I was gonna say like maybe he should be doing this at night, but it turns out he was doing it at night, which he was doing it at night. Which I mean, actually, he's doing it the correctly. He should be doing it at night. I'm surprised that they noticed the drone. Then, like, what was he doing with the drone that like got their attention? Flying it over the prison. Like, do they have like a lot of overhead lights? I just I don't know a whole lot about like prisons and their lights. Like, do they like always look up? Like, is there gonna be a helicopter or well, a drone? Well, when we, or do, UFO our, when we in? do
0: our jailbreak episode. Ooh. And we plan and we plan our jailbreak. We'll know more about prison. Well, we're gonna
1: have to put that in the notes for a future episode, then, <laughs> aren't we?
3: Like, <laughs> there's a sensor, like anywhere there. I don't know.
0: I bet there well, is. Drones
3: have a hum, so if you're outside and if you're a guard, you could hear. Yeah. that. Well,
0: and up, yeah, in that show, red, Prison Break, lights.
3: they had a lot of lights.
2: They got a lot. of lights. I think all night long the lights are on outside the yeah. prison. Yeah, I mean, it's not like the old movies where it's just a spotlight going like this. So, like,
1: they had like, but like, that was all week long. They had lights like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Even had Friday night lights. Shut up. <laughs>
0: Carlos, <laughs> when did you get brain damage? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Been slipping. like the,
0: the, the past, like, three months, you have slowly gotten worse and worse. <laughs> like, you need to see a doctor, man. Like, I think there might be something wrong. <laughs> I
1: thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that might be the problem.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Oh, shit. Um, All right. 31-year-old Sonia Smith was intercepted by security guards uh, from a Super Value store after they saw her enter the store's bathroom with a pumpkin and come out without it. The security guards first thought uh, uh, Mrs. Smith had either eaten the pumpkin or flushed it down the toilet, but they soon noticed that she was sweating heavily and looked very uncomfortable. James Reynolds, one of the security guards who intercepted Miss Smith, uh, said he was in disbelief when he understood where she had put it. My colleague suddenly went pale and started muttering something. She can't have. That's that's impossible. <laughs> After a few seconds, I understood what he was thinking. I instantly felt very nauseous. This two security guards uh, called the Greenville Police Department who rapidly proceeded to do a cavity search and discovered the pumpkin.
2: How big was Ms- this pumpkin? Ms-
0: Reynolds, <laughs> Ms. Reynolds says the officers dispatched on the site uh, thought they were being pranked when they... Er, Mr. Reynolds uh, says... The officers dispatched at the site thought they were being pranked uh, when they first explained the situation. The policemen couldn't believe that any woman could fit in an entire pumpkin down there. They only accepted to search her because she was screaming and yelling like she was giving birth. Uh. The squash showed extremely difficult to extract, and the 31-year-old woman had to be transported to the hospital where was finally removed after a delicate two-hour surgery. Sonia Smith now faces two charges of shoplifting and disorderly conduct, but she could be judged unfit to stand trial due to her long history of psychiatric problems. The young woman has already made several stays in mental institutions across the state since 2009. A source close to her family has confirmed that she suffers from schizophrenia and hears voices that command her to insert various objects in her body cavities. The results of her psychiatric evaluation should be available in two or three weeks, and the results will determine if the the trial will take place or not. I do not have stats on how big the pumpkin was. Are you looking that up for us, Matt? No. Okay. Okay.
2: I was, but I didn't see
1: anything. Oh okay. Oh well, I hope she gets the help she needs. That's that's kind of horrifying actually. That's a horrifying Halloween story right there. <laughs> it's spooky. And it's, I don't know if spooky's the right word, but sure, yeah, it's it's something. <coughs>
3: Pumpkin
1: Gross. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like if I was like on staff I'd be like, you know, I'm just going to let you go, but you need to go to the hospital right now.
0: Well, I mean, depending on I mean that that pumpkin could have cost upwards of
1: $10. Depending on how heavy it was. I guess I don't I don't know a lot about pumpkins and their pricing, so I'm no pumpkin expert. You're not a pumpkin? Yeah. I don't know a whole lot about the great pumpkin or anything
0: like that. Well, that's a bummer, Charlie Brown. Yeah. All right. Well, it's all peanuts to me. <sighs> I can't keep this going. <laughs> that,
2: one, that one was pretty quick. That was pretty quick.
0: <laughs> All right. Carlos, we are going to be reading some scary stories. Maybe stories that one would tell in the dark, maybe around a campfire, maybe, just maybe. Stories that would scare the bejesus out of little children and their parents, maybe their Grandparents. Maybe missing chihuahuas stolen by Romanian circus clowns. Or the discovery that that
1: wasn't a chihuahua. It was a rat the whole time. Dun, dun, dun! But nobody could really tell that difference. Will you start us off with your scary story? Sure, I'll start us off with uh, From Beyond by H.P. Lovecraft, which uh, I did watch part of the B-movie for this. There was a movie that came out in the, I want to say, early 90s for it. Uh, which had body horror in it, uh, but the real horrifying thing was at the end. The lady jumped out the window of like the attic, and she's crawling through the yard with broken legs. And actually, that's kind of the the biggest body horror of the whole thing because like, ooh, break break your legs Did after you jumping. Did you just
0: give out. away the ending of your? This story? is not
1: at all related. It, it was not at all related to the story. Oh, okay. But like in the movie, she breaks her legs jumping out the window, Like oh, that's. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Movie. You don't want to jump out windows, people. Yeah, Jeffrey Combs. He's so good. Was he in that? Yep. Oh. Huh. So, yeah, so this is From Beyond from H.P. Lovecraft. <clears throat> Horrible beyond conception was a change which had taken place in my best friend, Crawford Tillinghast. I had not seen him since that day, two months and a half before, when he had told me t- toward the, what goal his physical and metaphysical researches were leading. When he had answered my odd and almost frightened references by driving me from his laboratory and his house in a burst of fanatical rage... I had known that he had now remained mostly shut in the attic laboratory, that accursed electrical machine eating little and excluding even the servants, but I had not thought that a brief period of ten weeks could so alter and disfigure any human creature. It is not pleasant to see a stout man suddenly grown thin, and it is even worse when the baggy skin becomes yellowed or grayed, the eyes sunken, circled, and uncannily glowing, the forehead veined and corrugated, and the hands tumulus and twitching. And if added to this there be a repellent unkemptness, a wild disorder of dress, a bushiness of dark hair, white at the roots, and an unchecked growth of pure white beard on a face once clean shaven, the cumulative effect is quite shocking. But such was the aspect of Crawford Tillinghast on the night his half coherent message brought me to his door after my weeks of exile. "'such of the specter that trembled as it admitted me, "'candle in hand, and glanced furtively over its shoulder "'as if feared of unseen things in the ancient, lonely house "'set back from Benevolent Street. "'That Crawford Tillinghast should ever have studied "'science and philosophy was a mistake. "'These things should be left to the frigid and personal investigator, "'for they offer two equally tragic alternatives "'to the man of feeling and action, "'despair if he fail in his quest, "'and terrors unutterable and unmanageable if he succeeded.' Tillinghast had once been the prey of failure, solitary and melancholy, but now I knew, with not any fears of my own, that he was the prey of success. I had indeed warned him ten weeks before, when he burst forth with his tale of what he felt himself about to discover. He had been flushed and excited then, talking in a high and unnatural, though always pedantic voice. What do we know, he said, of the world and the universe about us? Our means of receiving impressions are absurdly few, and our notions of surrounding objects infinitely narrow. We see things only as we are constructed to see them. We gain no idea of their absolute nature. We have five feeble senses. We pretend to comprehend the boundlessly complex cosmos. Yet other beings with a wider, stronger, or different range of senses might not only see very different things we see, but might see and study whole worlds of matter, energy, and life which lie close at hand yet can never be detected with the senses we have. I have always believed that such strange inaccessible worlds exist at our very elbows, and now I believe I have found a way to break down the barriers. I am not joking. Within 24 hours, that machine near the table will generate waves acting on unrecognized sense organs that exist in us, atrophied or rudimentary vestiges. Those waves will open us to many vistas unknown to man, and several unknown to anything we consider organic life. We shall see that at which dogs howl in the dark, and that at which cats prick up their ears after midnight. We shall see these things, and other things which no breathing creature has yet seen. We shall overleap time, space, and dimensions, and without bodily motion peer to the bottom of creation. When has said these things, I remonstrated, for I knew him well enough to be frightened rather than amused. But he was a fanatic, and drove me from the house. Now he was no less a fanatic, but his desire to speak had conquered his resentment. "'He had written me imperatively in a hand I could scarcely recognize. "'As I entered the abode of the friend so suddenly metamorphed to a shivering gargoyle, "'I had been infected with a terror which seemed stalking in all the shadows. "'The words and beliefs expressed ten weeks before seemed bodied forth in the darkness "'beyond the small circle of candlelight, and I sickened at the hollow altered voice of my host. "'I wished the servants were about, and did not like it when he said they had all left three days previously.' It seemed strange that old Gregory, at least, should desert his master without telling as tried a friend as I. It was he who had given me all the information I had of Tillinghast after I was repulsed in rage. Yet I soon subordinated all my fears to my growing curiosity and fascination. Just what Crawford Tillinghast now wished of me, I could not only guess. But he had some stupendous secret or discovery to impart, I could not doubt. Before I had protested at his unnatural prying into the unthinkable, now that he had evidently succeeded to some degree i almost shared his spirit terrible though the cost of victory appeared up through the dark emptiness of the house i followed the bobbing candle in the hand of the shaking parody on man the electricity seemed to be turned off and when i asked my guide he said it was for a definite reason it would be too much i would not dare he continued to mutter i especially noted his new habit of muttering for it was not like him to talk to himself We entered the laboratory in the attic and I observed that detested electrical machine glowing with a sickly sinister violet luminosity. It was connected with a powerful chemical battery but seemed to be receiving no current, for I recalled that in its experimental stage it had sputtered and purred when in action. In reply to my question, Tillinghast mumbled that his permanent glow was not electrical in any sense that I could understand. He now seated me near the machine so that it was on my right, and turned a switch somewhere below the grounding cluster of glass bulbs. The usual sputtering began, turned to a whine, and terminated in a drone, so soft as to suggest a return to silence. Meanwhile, the luminosity increased, waned again, then assumed a pale outer color or blend of colors, which I could neither place nor describe. Tillinghast had been watching me and noted my puzzled expression. Do you know what that is? he whispered. That is ultraviolet he chuckled oddly at my surprise you thought ultraviolet was invisible and so it is but you can see that and many other invisible things now listen to me the waves from that thing are wicking a thousand sleeping senses in us senses which we inherit from aeons of evolution from the state of detached electrons to the state of organic humanity i've seen truth and i intend to show it to you you wonder how it will be seen i will tell you Here, Tillinghast seated himself directly opposite me, blowing out his candle and staring hideously into my eyes. Your existing sense organs, years first, I think, will pick up many of the impressions, for they are closely connected with the dominant organs. Then there will be others. You have heard of the pineal gland? I laugh at the shallow endocrinologist, fellow dupe and fellow parveo of the Freudian. That gland is the great sense organ of organs. I have found out. It is like sight in the end, and transmits visual pictures to the brain. If you are normal, that is the way you ought to get most of it. I mean, get most of the evidence from beyond. I looked about the immense attic room with the sloping south wall dimly lit by rays which the everyday eye cannot see. The far corners were all shadows. The whole place took on a hazy unreality which obscured its nature and invited the imagination to symbolism and phantasm. During the interval that Tillinghast was silent, I fancied myself in some vast and incredible temple of long-dead gods, some vague edifice of innumerable black stone columns reaching up from the floor of damp slabs to a cloudy height beyond the range of my vision. The picture was very vivid for a while, but gradually gave way to a more horrible conception, that of utter absolute solitude and infinite sightless, soundless space there seemed to be a void and nothing more and i felt a childish fear which prompted me to draw from my hip pocket the revolver i always carried from after dark since the night i was held up in east providence then from the farthest regions of remoteness the sound softly glided into existence it was infinitely faint subtly vibrant and unmistakably musical but held a quality of surpass- a surpassing wildness which made its impact feel like a delicate torture of my whole body i felt sensations like "'those one feels when accidentally scratching ground glass. "'Simultaneously, there developed something like a cold draft, "'which apparently swept past me "'from the direction of the distant sound. "'As I awaited breathlessly, "'I perceived that both sound and wind were increasing, "'the effect being to give me an odd notion of myself "'as tied to a pair of rails "'in the path of a gigantic approaching locomotive. "'I began to speak to Tillinghast, "'as I did so all the unusual impressions abruptly vanished. "'I saw only the man, the glowing machine, In the dim apartment. Tillinghast was grinning repulsively at the revolver which I had almost unconsciously drawn, but from his expression, I was sure he had seen and heard as much as I, if not a great deal more. I whispered what I had experienced, and he bade me to remain as quiet and receptive as possible. "'Don't move,' he cautioned, "'for in these rays we are able to be seen as well as to see. I told you the servants left, but I didn't tell you how.' It was that thick-witted housekeeper. She turned down the lights downstairs after I had warned her not to. And the wires picked up sympathetic vibrations. It must have been frightful. I could hear the screams up here in spite of all I was seeing and hearing from another direction. And later, it was rather awful to find those empty heaps of clothes around the house. Miss Updike's clothes were close to the front hall switch. That's how I know she did it. It got them all. But so long as we don't move, we're fairly safe. Remember, we're dealing with a hideous world in which we are practically helpless. Keep still. The combined shock of the revelation and of the abrupt command gave me a kind of paralysis, and in my terror, my mind again opened to the impressions coming from what Tillinghast called beyond. I was now in a vortex of sound and motion with confused pictures before my eyes. I saw the blurred outlines of the room, but from some point in space, there seemed to be pouring a seething column of unrecognizable shapes or clouds penetrating the solid roof at a point ahead and to the right of me. Then I glimpsed the temple-like effect again, but this time the players reached up into an aerial ocean of light, which sent down one blinding beam along the path of the cloudy column i had seen before. After that, the scene was almost wholly kaleidoscopic, and in the jumble of sights, sounds, and and unidentified unidentified sense impressions, I felt that I was about to dissolve or in some way lose the solid form. One definite flash I shall always remember. It seemed for an instant to behold a patch of strange night sky filled with shining, revolving spheres, and as I receded, I saw that the glowing suns formed a constellation or galaxy of settled shape, this shape being the distorted face of Crawford Tillinghast. At another time, I felt the animate... "'huge animate things brushing past me "'and occasionally walking or drifting "'through my supposedly solid body. "'I and thought I saw Tillinghast look at them "'as though his better trained senses "'could catch them. "'Visually, I recalled that what he had said "'of the pineal gland, "'and I wondered what he saw "'with this preternatural eye. "'Suddenly, I myself became possessed "'of a kind of augmented sight. "'Over and above the luminous and shadowy chaos "'arose a picture there, "'which, though vague, held the elements of consistency and permanence. It was indeed somewhat familiar, for the unusual part was superimposed upon the s- usual terrestrial scene, much as a cinema view may be thrown upon the painted curtain of a theater. I saw the attic laboratory, the electrical machine, the unsightly of Tillinghast opposite me, but all the space o- unoccupied by familiar material objects, not one particle was vacant. "'Indescribable shapes, both alive and otherwise, were mixed in. "'Disgusting disarray, and close to every known thing were whole worlds of alien, unknown entities. "'It likewise seemed that all the known things entered into the composition of other unknown things, and vice versa. "'Foremost among the living objects were great, inky, jealous monstrosities, "'which flabbily quivered in harmony with the vibrations from the machine. "'They were present in loathsome profusion, and I saw to my horror that they overlapped.' that they were semi-fluid and capable of passing through one another and through what we know as solids. These things were never still, but seemed ever floating about with some malignant purpose. Sometimes they appeared to devour one another, the attacker launching itself at its victim and instantaneously obliterating the later from sight. Shudderingly, I felt that I knew what had obliterated the unfortunate servant and could not exclude the things from my mind as I strove to observe other properties of the new, newly visible world that lies around us. But Tillinghast had been watching me and was speaking. You see them. You see them. You see the things that float and flop about you and through you every moment of your life. You see the creatures that form what men call the Pyrrhaer and the blue sky. Have I not succeeded in breaking down the barrier? Have I not shown you worlds that no other living men have seen? I heard him scream through the horrible chaos and looked at the wild face thrust so offensively close to mine. His eyes were pits of flame, and they glared at me with what I now saw was unoverwhelming hatred. The machine droned detestably. You think those floundering things wiped out the servants? Fool, they are harmless. But the servants are gone, aren't they? You tried to stop me. You discouraged me when I needed every drop of encouragement I could get. You were afraid of the cosmic truth, you damned coward. But now I've got you. What swept up the servants? What made them scream so loud? Don't know, eh? You'll know soon enough. Look at me, listen to what I say. Do you suppose there are really any such things as time and magnitude? Do you fancy there are such things as form or matter? I tell you, I've struck depths that your little brain can't picture. I've seen beyond the bounds of infinity and drawn down demons from the stars. I've witnessed the shadows that stride from world to world to sow death and madness space belongs to me do you hear things are hun- hunting me now the things that devour and dissolve but i know how to elude them it is you they will get as they got the servants stirring dear sir i told you it was dangerous to move i have saved you so far by telling you to keep still save you to see to see more sights and to listen to me if you had moved they would have been at you long ago don't worry they won't hurt you they didn't hurt the servants. It was seeing that made the poor devil scream so. My pets are not pretty, for they come out of places where ascetic standards are very different. Disintegration is quite painless, I assure you. But I want you to see them. I almost saw them, but I knew how to stop. You are not curious? I always knew you were no scientist. Trembling <laughs> trembling with anxiety to the ultimate things I've discovered. Why don't you move then? Tired? Well, don't worry, my friend, for they are coming. Look. Look, curse you, look! It's just over your left shoulder! What remains to be told is very brief, and may be familiar to you from the newspaper accounts. The police heard a shot in the old Tillinghast house and found us there, Tillinghast dead, and me unconscious. They arrested me because the revolver was in my hand, but they released me in three hours after they found it was apoplexy which had finished Tillinghast, and saw that my shot had been directed at the noxious machine which now hopelessly shattered on "'on the laboratory floor. "'I did not tell very much of what I had seen, "'for I feared the coroner would be skeptical. "'But from the evasive outline I did give, "'the doctor told me that I had undoubtedly "'been hypnotized by the vindictive "'and homicidal madman. "'I wish I could believe that, doctor. "'It would help my shaky nerves "'if I could dismiss what I now have to think "'of the air and the sky about and above me. "'I never feel alone or uncomfortable "'or comfortable, "'and a hideous sense of pursuit "'sometimes comes chillingly on me "'when I am weary.' What prevents me from believing the doctor is this one simple fact, that the police never found the bodies of those servants whom they say Crawford Tillinghast murdered.
2: Spooky. What
1: year did that come out? Uh, Let me double check that. Uh, I hope I did not close my tab. Jeez. Uh, I think it was like around the early 1900s, 1917, I want to say.
2: Yeah, when did Lovecraft die? Uh, Nineteen twenty something. something. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I don't know a lot about him, except I mean, that he was a racist. Yeah. Oh, he was—he was
3: very racist. Well, That's kind of par for the course back then. Yeah, <laughs> no, he was. Uh, yeah, but he was—he no, was exceptionally racist. Yeah, for the even time, <laughs> at the time,
1: like he was a—if uh, any, it wasn't just white
2: people. They had to be a specific kind of white people.
0: Yep. Huh.
1: All right. Who wants to go
2: next? Sure, I'll get All it out right. of the way just like in school, you know, you have to read your speech, drink <laughs> it. <your> <clears throat> which one should I choose? Let's choose, uh, wait, where did it go? Maybe I won't be next. All right, uh, I can go. I'm ready. Losing Yourself oh, in you China right. by Nilly. Uh, whoever this is, hey, Nilly. Uh, so when I was barely 20 years old, I was traveling with a small group of people through China. And we were spending about two months in Kanghai province, uh, which used to be part of the of Tibet. Our destinations were specific towns uh, to teach English in, but we'd been stopping off and on in uh, smaller cities along the way. One day we arrived in a rural town, very small, nothing unusual. We spent a couple of days there shopping for food at the markets and walking around the streets uh, to see the sights, although there weren't many. Uh, this was the dead of winter in February, and all the grass on the hills and the plains around the town were uh, dead and brown. Uh, The overall feeling was the kind of normal bleakness in any rural place that it has in the winter. At this time in my life, things were going amazingly extraordinarily well for me, and I say that because my teenagehood had been rather darkly overcast. But the overwhelming good luck of being able to travel with these close friends I'd made in the past year uh, had more than changed my feelings and attitudes towards life. It was like I was a whole new person. I was ecstatic to be in Tibet when I went to sleep with a smile on my face every night. On our second day staying in this small town, I woke up feeling a little odd, not bad, just odd. Like my normal thoughts and feelings had been turned down low, like on a dial. We all decided to go for a walk on the hills right behind the town, where there was a small summit uh, with a pile of rocks and some prayer flags. To be honest, they were little altars like on every other hill, but nothing uh, gave us to, but it gave us something to do. As we hiked up the hill behind the town, I started feeling stranger and stranger. I wasn't scared and I didn't feel angry or any strong emotion, in fact it was like an emotion was trickling out of me somehow and it was getting blanker and blanker, emptier and emptier. My mind started feeling a little hazy and more and more I felt like simply I didn't care about anything. A small and rapidly dwindling part of myself started to panic, knew something bad was happening, but it was uh, like my inner voice was getting quieter and quieter. I remember we reached the summit and i simply sank to the ground next to the pile of rocks without meaning to i started turning out the voices around me or tuning out the voices around me and fixed all my attention on little pebbles in the dirt i began tapping one against the other repeatedly do you know the kind of horror that is opposite of feeling scared or feeling anything at all the kind of vivacious hideousness of a fly buzzing against a closed window for hours and end in an empty room that was the feeling in my mind. It was demonic and meaningless. I touched my face and felt like I was grinning at all at nothing. Through all the emptiness, a thought floated before my floated forefront to my mind. You should just die. At first it sounded totally reasonable, but something in me fought it and I momentarily and I was momentarily troubled. Right then my group started to walk down the hill and I followed. The further we walked, the normal, the more normal I felt. And we left the town that afternoon, I was totally freaked out. When uh, another girl, Hannah, mentioned me in an odd offhand way that she had felt strange and depressed while staying there, uh, she, I told her I felt the same. When the group leader mentioned that a local, local uh, had told him that the town had been plagued with a rash of young women under 25 committing suicide, Hannah and I were, uh, went white.
3: Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah.
0: That's
2: a lovely story. Lovely. <laughs> cool beans. So let's not go to that place in China. That's yeah, right. let's not. Well, I guess go. we're guys, so it's okay.
1: <laughs> There's a different spot for us.
2: Yeah, it's <laughs> probably the other hill. Hi, <laughs>
3: yeah. right, Gordon. Uh, mine's a well a lot shorter than yours, but it's called Puppy in the Basement. Uh, short story from a Reddit user. Doesn't give credit to a name. Mommy never told me to go into the basement, but I wanted to see what was making the, that noise. It was kind of a, sounded like a puppy, and I wanted to see the puppy, so I opened the basement door and tiptoed down a bit. I didn't see a puppy, and then Mom yanked me out of the basement and yelled at me. Mommy never had yelled at me before, and it made me sad, and I cried. Then Mommy told me never go in the basement again, and she gave me a cookie. It made me feel a lot better, and so, so I didn't ask her why the boy in the basement was making noises like a puppy or why he had no hands or feet.
1: Oh, what was the uh, name of the uh, the person who posted that? Then uh, it does deleted. Say. Oh, oh, it was deleted.
2: Yeah. All right. Yeah. It must be a true story. That's why it was deleted. Right.
3: Uh, I'm on hauntedrooms.co.uk. Ooh. Ooh. If he wants to, there's a bunch of different stories. Yep. Um.
0: There. All right. Here's here's one. Um, A hiker was making his way through the dense woods of a moonlit forest, as he'd done many times before. The loosely packed dirt of a trail not yet blazed gave way under his boots as he ventured late into the night. It was far past midnight by this point, and the hiker desperately needed to sleep. The man knelt down and shrugged off his backpack, preparing to set up his tent, until he took note of a light somewhere afar in the distance. With curiosity piqued, he donned his pack once more to discover the source of the light. As he approached the offending bulb he began to notice that it wasn't a light by itself but an entire cottage lit up somewhat dimly in the dead of the night manners be damned the hiker decided that he'd ask the owner of the cottage for some lodging for the night after all his tent could be awfully uncomfortable from time to time however after several minutes of bare knuckles rapping against solid oak not a soul answered his call he continued to knock and knock and knock hoping that someone was home to shelter him after a few more bouts of this the man pursed his lips, quickly making, the, making a decision of ethics, to sleep outside or intrude without invitation. What they don't know won't hurt him, the man decided, testing the lock to see if breaking and entering was in order. To surprise, the door gave way instantly, the hinges eerily creaking as he made himself at home in the cottage. The cottage was simple enough. There was a small kitchen that was attached to a living room which held nothing uh, but a pull-out couch, as was fairly standard, nothing fancy, but it was better than a tent. The only thing that the hiker wasn't comfortable with was an odd sort of collection uh, that, occupied, uh, that the occupant of this cottage had. Some sort of painting collection of disfigured faces with malicious expressions that lined the walls of the room. Each canvas seemed to glare at the man with personal hatred and malice that he'd never experienced before. After a few moments of curious staring and cold shivers, the man turned away from the art and tucked himself uh, into bed for a night's rest. After a few hours of abysmal sleep, the hiker rose with an uncomfortable feeling. He felt uneasy and stood uh, to his feet to gather his belongings before setting off again as quickly as possible. As he packed his bedroll back into his pack, he stared again at the wall once more to gaze upon the odd paintings that he'd seen the night before. His heart stopped cold as he realized there were only windows.
2: Ooh.
1: That's fun. Spooky. For a
2: second there, I thought uh, he would get murdered, and then he was the next painting on the wall. Oh, yeah, yeah. No,
1: actually, it turns out that it was good that he didn't sleep outside then, right? Yes.
2: Because like, there was a murderous of th- disfigured feet
0: Why were they murderous? Because yeah, they're disfigured and ugly, and it's a horror story. Yeah, they, ugly people murder. Just, if yeah. I've if learned anything from horror movies, it's that.
1: I think they were just a bunch of voyeurs <laughs> that were just like... <laughs>
0: it's not true. Scream. <laughs> That's true, mm-hmm. but Scream makes fun of the tropes. Yes, it does. Yeah. Also, mm-hmm. Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. Yeah. <laughs> it was a fantastic movie. You haven't seen it? I highly recommend it's it. So
3: good. <laughs> you guys watched? It's a short film called Tell on YouTube. Uh, look it up. So it's called Tell, a short film by Ryan Connolly. It's under Triune Films. It's thirty minutes well, thirty two minutes and forty seven seconds. It's phenomenal. Kind of a play on Edgar Allan Poe's The Telltale Heart. Oh. I was
1: watching a bunch of different, like, I can't remember what channel, so channel it was on YouTube, but, like, they had, like, a bunch of different, like, short, mo- like, movie- uh, horror shorts. There's some good ones. Like, there's, like, the one where the guy didn't realize the world had ended. So, like, he's in the grocery store. He's about to check out, like, and there's nobody at the grocery store. And then he gets home. And there's turn- some sort of, like, bat thing. And, like, it's kind of some sort of, like, play on vampire sense of, like, killing him. But, like, it was, like, it was, like I don't know. Like, I was watching a whole bunch of different shorts like that. There's I, was- I was having fun. I-, I, like, I think I like shorter horror. When I, when I watch it, just because I don't want to have to sit down for like 90 minutes or longer for it to be. Yeah, maybe. makes sense. All right, well, should we get out of here, guys? Yeah, we could do that. All right. We can uh, get on with our spooky night. Go pack, go. Well, <laughs> oh, that would be they pretty. Play. Nothing scarier
0: than they play food a half hour. <laughs> <ball>. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in this week. If you have any questions, comments, show ideas, what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at You can follow us on Facebook facebook.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Make sure you guys tune in next week for our 300th episode.
3: Spooky.
0: Uh, and our seven-year anniversary. Woo. All right. And I'll see you guys next week.